Hello again, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 139. And I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. We do cover all things Orlando Sea and Orlando Pride related. Uh, welcome to our program. I am joined by my co-host, one of our Mainland writers, David Rowe, up in Tallahassee. How are you, Dave? I'm doing well this week. I'm not feeling quite as burdened as I am every time we've started the podcast the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not sure why that is. Because we only have one loss to talk about? That's it. Okay. You nailed right. it. Only one. Okay. I have had uh, quite a day, and um, I'm uh, I'm trying to – we're getting off topic already, but here's what's going on. Okay. I am trying to eat healthier, as one does, as you get older and and, and, and later in life and trying to, uh, you know, keep the spare tire at bay and all of that stuff. But I am a person who likes pasta. I have yet to find a good pasta substitute. I've tried the spaghetti squash. I've tried the, uh, the spiral uh, cut of zucchini. And the problem, Dave, is that really the the squash products do not hold the sauce. The sauce does not kind of become one with the the vegetable the way it does with pasta. I think that's really the issue. So you basically get like a little taste of the tomato sauce and then a whole bunch of um, sort of a tasteless vegetable um, texture in your mouth. And it's just not, uh, it's not the same. And I have to say that it's 2018. What the hell? Yeah, you would think we'd have all kinds of substitutes. You would think they would have found out a way to make it so that, um, you know, genetically speaking, we could switch our bodies from this, uh, we have to store fat for the winter thing, uh, to, hey, let us eat junk food and get skinny. Yeah, I mean, can is it too much to ask science to uh, create a healthy uh, delicious Twinkie that is just gives you every vitamin you need and um, and none of the uh, none of the crap. I think science needs to get on this. I'm really not happy with science these days. Science is really letting us down. I'm a big <laughs> fan of science typically, but you're right. I mean, that's that's kind of, but you know, funding. I don't know. Maybe that's why. All right. Well, we can't put this off any longer. We do have to talk about the uh, various soccer clubs uh, or soccer teams uh, with Orlando City Soccer Club. And uh, we're going to start this week because there was no uh, MLS game for the Lions. We'll start with the Orlando Pride. A huge game on the road against the North Carolina Courage became an even huger game because huger is not really a word, I don't think. Um, no. But uh, it became even a bigger game because the the uh, – Chasing team, Chicago Red Stars, uh, got a draw against Portland Thorns on the road. So thanks for nothing, Portland. Um, right. And, uh, you know, if it helps Orlando if either of those teams drops all three points, but it doesn't really help that much if they draw and both get a point, and that's what happened. And so I'm uh, not happy about that, but uh, that pushed Orlando, the Orlando Pride, into fifth place. Orlando needed to get a result on the road against uh the best team that's maybe ever been in NWSL. Yeah. Uh, the way the Courage are playing this year, they've already uh, won the Supporters Shield. They've already, uh, you know, equaled the the win record, and they're sure to break that. Um, mm-hmm. But the bottom line is uh, they came out uh, Saturday night, and um, for the first 21 minutes of the game, the Pride looked really good. Of course, they continue to have that problem that Orlando teams sometimes have with finishing chances or, or um, you know, making that final ball 
you know, pay off. Uh, but it was really kind of one-way traffic for that first 21 minutes uh, after a lengthy lightning delay, um, you know, pushed, postponed the start of the game. And then uh, in the 22nd minute, lightning came again, and they had to push the game to Sunday. So you knew that wasn't going to be good, an extra night on the road for the team. Um, you know, everybody from the thorn, uh, from the Courage got to go home and sleep in their own beds and that kind of thing, regroup. And, of course, it gave the you know, it gave the courage and their coaching staff a chance to say, wow, they really came after us. They really got uh, got on the front foot. We can strategize now. We can kind of sit back and say, how did they do it? What are we going to do about it? And uh, they came back on Sunday morning to complete the game. And it, it looked like a completely different team. Both teams looked completely different uh, throughout that uh, that portion of the game that was played from the 22nd minute on. Um, but, you know, credit the pride. They were hanging in there and for a while you look like it, they might be able to just even if they couldn't sneak a goal they might be able to mm -hmm. actually just get a nil nil draw and get out of there with a point and move back into fourth place uh and then the dam burst in the 75th minute um yeah. an own goal off a, a, a turnover in um in the middle of the pitch by uh, rachel hill she was trying to make a pass didn't uh, put the proper weight on it and uh, also kind of telegraphed that it. it gets picked off. Next thing you know, it's down the other end and uh, the cross uh, in gets deflected by Shalina Zadorsky and then hits uh, Ashlyn Harrison goes in. So it's one nil. And now you're looking at a, a, an uphill battle because you're playing a team that's very good defensively and you haven't been able to break them down, you know, at all. For 75 minutes yeah. over two days. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you're the when you're the best team in the league, you're at home and you've had the biggest timeout break uh, in the history of the NWSL. It makes that a lot easier, especially once you get that first goal. Um, then, like you said, you can just sit back and, you know, things are bound to go your way. Um, and it's incredibly frustrating, of course, for us uh, with pride because there's a ton of talent, but it hasn't over the last several weeks. It just hasn't seemed to translate. Uh, when you were saying the Orlando City teams have a problem uh, getting uh, the ball into the back of the net, all I can think of is, is we need to name it the um, the Happy Gilmore uh, disease or something like that. They just they can't get the ball to go in the hole. And it's uh, so, yeah, in, incredibly frustrating that. You know, like you said, Ashland had some good saves, but uh, at at some point, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't really falter on the the goal. I mean, it did take a deflection, and that kind of throws everything. Uh, you know, it, it's you know, you've you've committed to an action, and once the ball changes direction, it's impossible. You've already committed your body, and your momentum can't stop, and and uh, so the ball hits you. And it, it makes you look bad as a goalkeeper, even though there's nothing you can do about it. The second goal, nothing she could do about it, smashed in by um, Dabinia at the near post. And it was uh, really a bad play by Allie Krieger. She tried to shield a very, very slow moving ball, hoping it would roll out for a goal kick. And, uh, you know, it wasn't moving quick enough to do that. And she actually should have done something with it, either, either try to play it out to the side for a throw or just concede the corner. But instead, Lynn Williams picked her pocket and the ball pops out for Dabinia and it's in the net. And it's two nil. The third goal, uh, just poor defending. Really. It was, uh, you know, a ball in, uh, in the air. And, um, you know, Lana Kennedy was not on Lynn Williams. She should have been on Lynn Williams. She was not, she was too far away. She tried to jump and get the ball and she probably thought she could head it. You know, she's pretty good in the air, but, uh, 
she did not. It cleared her, and that probably doesn't happen if she's a little closer to Lynn Williams. And so, you know, just mistakes, and it's the kind of mistakes we've seen all year. And really, we saw them last year, but, you know, the offense was clicking so well last year that uh, for the pride that you didn't really you didn't really sweat those, you know, mistakes. And, of course, uh, with the pride, we're not playing from behind so much. So, you know, you were able to have the lead and, you know, these these plays, you know, when they happen, were not, uh, you know, catastrophic. And you, you you had teams that actually had to do what the pride have been doing, which is push more numbers in the attack, become more susceptible on the counter. And the pride were able to finish off teams that way last year. They were not they have not been able to do that this year. For whatever reason, this team just doesn't look comfortable out there on the field together there there are some new players but not enough to where you would think that would be a problem um it it seems that some players have taken a step back in form this year certainly alana kennedy is one of those that i think we all have seen that she's not been performing the way she did last year um of course camilla has missed most of the season with an injury and then coming back from that is difficult and she hasn't really rounded back into form yet and you know it's it's just been um a, a lack of chemistry, a lack of cohesiveness. It, they look like they're groups of players rather than a unified team at times. Uh, I just think it's a chemistry issue, and I know that a lot of there's a lot of heat on Tom Sermani, but um, you know I don't think that he's trying to coach them any differently than last year. I think he's trying to do the things that he thinks will work, and uh, it's not it, for whatever reason it's just not working. And in the the toughest you know professional women's league in the world, uh, it doesn't take much to to kind of uh, you know upset the balance. And uh, you know you, you look at the NWSL standings from second place to seventh place, you could throw a blanket over those teams and catch them all. Um, it's that close, and the the margin. For for error is so small and we've seen it and it's um, it's been a rough season the pride are not out of it they if they beat chicago they still have a decent chance because remember if they finish um even tied with chicago on points they would get the spot because they won the season series but they have to they absolutely cannot lose the game saturday at against chicago at home because if they do it's it's pretty much lights out chicago would have to drop a lot of points uh, or actually, no, I don't, th- I don't think they can catch them now. I think that would be it because they would be four points clear and one game to go. Yep. So, so yeah, it's it's a must win. Both the games really are must wins. They have to beat Chicago like they've done uh, two times in Chicago this year. And then they have to go on the road against a team that's just desperate to get a win before the end of the season in Sky Blue. And Sky Blue has given Orlando trouble because they're a physical team. They don't mind mixing it up and beating and banging. And that's... That's a recipe for beating Orlando. We've seen this. Orlando is a finesse team. They're not physical. And when they get up against a team that's not that's not afraid to knock them down a few times, you know, they they tend to to have problems. Yeah, I haven't given up on uh, the season. I haven't given up on the pride. I haven't given up on, you know, the players. But um, it's like you said, I mean, we're, we're down to it now. These are there. There is no room for. Uh, error of any sort uh, they do have to beat Chicago and and to really have a good chance they do have to beat Sky Blue and so it's it's um I I don't know what the uh the solution is for the chemistry evidently Tom Sermani doesn't either unfortunately because he's the one that's got to maybe facilitate that but something has to be done and at this point even if it's the uh the veterans on the team you know taking the reins if it's you know alex morgans or the city of the ruse or marta whoever uh, they need to step up and and 
say, look, I'm planting the flag here. Uh, we are going to do this. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't know. Obviously, we'll be watching, you know, the Chicago game very carefully and, and hopefully they can get in there and do what needs to be done. But, uh, man, it's uh, it was in, when you needed a result and you knew it was going to be tough against Carolina to get that far into the match and have it all just fall apart was was definitely pretty disheartening. Yeah, they were they were 15 minutes from a result. It didn't work. But um you know, the other thing, too, is you brought up Sydney LaRue. She returned from her illness, uh, but it, it was a short-lived uh, return. She she only got in about a half an hour before she had to, she was forced off with an injury late. Looked like she clashed heads in a, you know, with a ball into the box, and uh, she had to come off. And that's not a good sign either uh, going into these last two games because she's your leading goal scorer. And if you would have told me uh, before the season that Orlando Pride's leading goal scorer with two games to go would only have six goals based on the team, the names on this team, I would have just not even – I would have believed six goals might have been the fifth leading goal scorer. Yes, there would have been much laughing. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I mean, you know, Alex Morgan hasn't been getting service, but we still haven't – she hasn't been sharp either, you know, for the – which is weird because she's been really sharp for the U.S. But, um, you know, that, that last bit of uh, composure in the final third, I mean, she's missed the net. She's hit the goalkeeper. She's hit the post. I mean – uh, so she's, you know, been a little bit off. You haven't seen too many of those, uh, magic moments from Marta, like the one uh, at the end of the game, uh, about a month ago when she cut back twice and scored, uh, you know, she just willed herself and that team to win that game. And, um, we haven't seen enough of that. And we haven't seen really enough of the super sub Rachel Hill, who was, had a great year down in, uh, Australia and she, you know, Tom actually played her in the midfield in this game, which was a little odd, I thought. But, uh, you know, I was up there. I was up for it and I uh, wanted to see what she could do. And um, it turns out not a whole lot because she really had a poor game. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if it was the unfamiliarity with the positioning or what, but it was really a rough game for Rachel. It was a rough game for a lot of them, but uh Certainly, uh, we have expected and, and come to see more from Rachel Hill in the past. And, um, you know, nothing, uh, none of the substitutes uh, really could help the situation. And it was it was just ugly. And you knew it could be because, you know, North Carolina is just that good. And I don't people are out there bellyaching saying, you know, I hope we don't make the playoffs because, you know, we're just going to get in and get killed by North Carolina again. But, you know, I'm. I'm always for getting in the playoffs rather than not getting in the playoffs because anything can happen. And it's difficult to beat a team four times in a season. I mean, I'm not saying that North Carolina can't do it and maybe with ease, but you know, make them do it. Right. And, and always, always make the playoffs. Even if you go out in the first game, who cares? You've it's in a, that is an accomplishment. If <laughs> I'd love to hear those same people say the same thing about the, the men's squad. Oh, they say it. <laughs> they well, say it. They say yeah, it. Yeah, but they say it in a different context. And they're, they're saying it in the uh, let's play the young guys context. But Not it, really. I mean, I, I think it's kind of the same. What I've been seeing online is kind of the same. It's it's almost like there's an, there's an anti-Tom Sermani crowd, and they want the team to miss the playoffs so he gets fired. The same way oh, that yeah. people wanted Orlando City to lose so that Jason Christ would get fired. And, and there are those out there. I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. People that do that know who they are. Uh, but and there are there – are Do so on – yeah, they do so on social media proudly, so it's not like we're calling them out on it. Yeah, there's – it makes no sense. I would never root for my team to lose a game. Um 
you know, even last year when it was like it would have been better for the Pride to maybe take the L at North Carolina, I still wanted them to win the game, and they did. And it kind of hurt them in their seeding uh, because they had a tougher road. They had to go out to, to Portland uh, for the first-round playoff game. But, um, you know, you, if my team suits up, I want them to win. I don't care if it's a friendly a playoff game, a regular season game. Uh, yeah. You know, whatever it is, I don't care. I want to I want to see my team win. So uh, I don't understand any other way of thinking because I'm just not wired that way. Dave, um, my player of the game was pretty easy to pick, even though she gave up three goals. It was probably Ashlyn Harris by default because nobody else really uh, stood out to me. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. It was Ashlyn. Um, like, she, I mean, heck, we found out today she had the save of the week uh, on that, that excellent uh, one hander. So, uh, you know, if Alex had maybe been able to score one, maybe she slides in there as player of the week, but or player of the match, but uh, no, it, it's got to be Harris. Yeah, so uh, uphill battle for the Pride with only two games left in the regular season. It's hard to believe that their season's almost over. Oh, uh, I know. Uh, but they will play Chicago this weekend, and that is really the season uh, if they lose. And if they win... The Pride are right back in it. They would be above Chicago with one match to play. Chicago would have two to play, uh, but they would have really no margin for error with the Pride going to Sky Blue for the final weekend. So, um, you know, we, it, we'll see what happens. It's it, We won't have to wait long, although after this weekend, there's an international break. The U.S. women will be playing uh, Chile in a couple of games. So uh, there'll be a weekend off and then the trip to, to Sky Blue. So we'll, we'll see. Get out there. I mean, just get off, get off the, you know, what you want them losing. Let's let's just do this. So it's it's possibly uh, quite possibly because even if they uh, the pride make the playoffs, they're going on the road. So uh, this is your last weekend to get to a pride game, uh, a pride home game, unless you're planning to travel. If they, you know, for to either Sky Blue or maybe a playoff game, this is your opportunity to see the Orlando Pride. It's your last chance for the year. Like to see the biggest crowd of the year. Uh, for this Chicago game and, uh, you know, really, you know, be that 12th man. Make or, a difference. Or 12th, 12th woman. Or 12th woman. Yes. 12th man. We don't, we're not sexist. We, you could be the 12th man or woman. 12th player. Yes. Be that. Get out there and be that. So I'll see you. Be at, loud. Be proud. Yeah. I'll see you at Orlando city stadium on Saturday. That includes you, Dave. You're calling off work. Okay. Well, uh, you heard it here, boss. Yep, you're sick. I'm, 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 I can hear it in your voice. I can hear how sick you're getting. Yes, I can barely finish the podcast. All right, Ferris. Um, okay, so uh, again, no Orlando City game this past weekend. It was nice and relaxing. We didn't have to worry <laughs> yes, about, didn't have to tear our hair out or drink heavily. Um, so that was nice. Uh, not a lot of news. Uh, PC got his green card the other day, so... Uh, that will uh, cover Carlos Asquez. He will be able to, you know, slide into that lineup as soon as his uh, international transfer certificate and P1 visa are officially filed. Um, you know, whenever that international paperwork goes through, and I don't know that it is. In fact, we should have asked our guest. Um, but uh, uh, I did ask uh, the other day, and I did not get a response. But um, so Carlos Asquez. Uh, we'll be in the lineup soon, and um, you know, not. I'm, I'm anxious to see what he looks like because I'm not really sure uh, what the team is getting in in Carlos. I'm not sure what uh, the team was thinking and not. 
getting some of the other positions we thought might be <laughs> might be shored up in that uh, transfer window. It kind of um, throws a wrench into the whole idea that they listen to us. It does, and um, I will say that I would be happy to ask these questions to those uh, who have the power to make them, but I have not yet uh, received a response to my interview request, but I will continue to push on that front and uh, try to get some information. Um, so, you know, not a lot going on with the Lions. Of course, they'll play Friday night against Atlanta United, only the third game this month for the Lions, and they're their final game of the month of August. It's been a, it's been a, you know, a light August for the team. Uh, but you know, kind of that's good for our nerves. Really, the way they've been playing. <laughs> yes, it, it really is. Although uh, uh, they they did have to pick uh, my birthday to play Atlanta on, so that's uh, uh, yeah. You know, I happy don't, birthday I, to you, Dave. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> well, fortunately, I'll probably be having some beers anyway. Uh, you have been known to do so. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, um, since we don't have a uh, an Orlando City game to discuss, why don't we just get right to our guest? We can do it nice and early this uh, this time around. And uh, we have a very special guest this week uh, from the club, and we're going to get to our guest right after this. Joining us on the Mainland Podcast this week, we're very happy to have with us from. Orlando City SC, the uh, communications manager, Rafa Cabrera. Rafa, how you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, finally, instead of uh, facilitating players to mainland podcast, it's, it's my time to shine now. <laughs> it is your time to shine. <laughs> we have uh, we have usually uh, had to thank Rafa for uh, getting somebody for us, and tonight we'll have to thank him. Uh, for actually being our guest. So uh, it's nice to have you with us, Rafa. But it's also kind of sad because you are actually leaving Orlando City after uh, a few years with the club. And uh, why don't we start out? I'll just start out by asking you to uh, let everybody know what it is you're going to be doing. So, yes, I'm actually going to be leaving the club after four seasons and a half. I'm going to, to leave to go to Madrid uh, and study in the Real Madrid management and MBA program so really really bummed to leave the club and this this project but uh, really excited for this new challenge and and for this next next chapter of my career well before we look back on on the career that uh, was with Orlando City um, uh, tell us a little bit more about this this program you're doing um, what it is that uh, you're gonna get out of it what you're it's you're it's going to help you accomplish yeah, so this this is a uh, this is something that I've been I've been thinking to do for for a couple of years. Um, I graduated from UCF and actually thought about enrolling in the the Vos program, which is really really good, really well known in the country, uh, which is a sports management program MBA as well. Um, but at the time, I had a, a job lined up with Orlando City, uh, luckily, and and I didn't. I wanted to take a couple of years of experience. Uh, and, and obviously, with that in mind, uh, I started researching a program that was a little bit more soccer specific. Um, then, you know, I bumped into the Real Madrid one. Uh, the program is basically uh, half of the program is in the classroom with a combination of Real Madrid executives uh, teaching the classes uh, and then also other leaders from the industry. Uh, the other half of the program is uh, events, uh, volunteering. Uh, you know, part-time opportunities, jobs, etc. 
uh, more, a little bit more practical. Um, there's some parts of the program as well where you travel around Europe. Uh, there's also a trip to New York uh, where you visit some of the organizations here in the United States. Uh, but overall, it's just a very interesting program because you get to, to network with, with many people from different parts of the country. The program that I'm actually taking is going to be in English, so, so I could get to, to know some of the people uh, you know, from everywhere in the world with different backgrounds, different cultures, uh, different experiences. Uh, and the program just includes classes in you know, media, marketing, law, sponsorships, um, kind of an overall perspective of the sports world. And, and I'm just trying to get and, and understand the way they do things in a club uh, like Real Madrid and in, in other top clubs in Europe. So really looking forward to that. So what's the end game here, Rafa? What are you going to be when you grow up, in other words? <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's interesting because when I, when I went to UCF, I, I, I finished school and, and I was in the middle of interning for Orlando City in operations. Then I transitioned into communications. I really love what I do uh, or what I did during my time in the communications department. Uh, but I've also seen you know, many different parts of the business while working at Orlando City. It's, I think it's, it's really interesting to, to navigate and see what other uh, other uh, departments do, the sponsorship departments, uh, uh, you know, obviously marketing, mm-hmm. uh, digital media. There's so many things that you there's still to learn. And I'm just trying to understand a little bit more the overall perspective of, of how to run a club, how to run a sports organization, uh, even understand the part of the player representation, and then see, you know, which way I, I, I like to go. I think uh, I did a, an okay job in the commun- communications, uh, but I would like to also navigate a little bit more in other departments and see where, where this takes me, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, we think you did a really good job, Rafa, obviously, uh, you know, having been talking to you for years now. But um, other than uh, facilitating guests for the Mainland podcast, what's the thing that you, uh, you're you most proud of at your time at uh, Orlando City? Yeah, it's definitely my yeah number one success in you know, well being at Orlando City was, was working with the Mainland podcast, working with you guys. Um, but also, in addition to that, I, I think I'm... Um, you know, the I think the transition to the new stadium uh, was a big part for me um, personally because uh, it was it was really challenging in the beginning, uh, but the, the the result was was really positive. Uh, figuring out the media logistics and the new stadium, uh, you know, the, the first game at that stadium, and 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 just all the the media opportunities that we had around it, all the attention that we got, all the attention that we still get. Um, and obviously, it's not just me; it's my my entire department. We have a really good group, but that's I think one thing that I'm really really proud of. And then, in addition to that, just working with with these players every single day, seeing them grow, seeing their career, uh, you know, reach a level that that's been incredible. You see guys like like Joshi that that you know joined this league, nobody really know knew about him, and now he's one of the top players in the. In the league, he's went to the World Cup. He's gotten a lot of attention locally, nationally, internationally. So there are many things that I'm, I'm very happy about. But if I had to pick one, I would say the the stadium transition and, and, and that exposure that we gave to to this to this building. On the other side, Rafa, I've uh, I've done your job, although in, in a different sport, a different league. But um, for me, the hardest part was. Um, 
you know the the grind of a of a of a losing season was was tough and also um going through coaching changes and personnel changes that um that go along with that because uh, you 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 develop these friendships and these working relationships with people what is the toughest part for you yeah definitely you know i, I think it's, you face a lot of challenges um you know being in professional sports you know you understand that Winning is great, but uh, losing is a part of it as well. So, so that's always challenging. Seeing the people that you work with every day that work so hard at training and you know in meetings uh, during the games, and when they don't get the result that they're looking for, it's really difficult to see. And then um, dealing with that frustration. Although to be fair, the group that we've had over the years has been really, really good to to work with. Um, but but I you know as a as a fan myself, it's, it's difficult sometimes to see it, you know your team lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, you understand that you know it's a part of it, um, and that this club is is on the right on the right path. Um, also, yeah, as you mentioned, coaching changes are always difficult. You develop these great relationships with with different coaches. You know, with first with Inchi, then uh, Bobby, then Jason, then Bobby again. And now with James, <laughs> um, it's it's you know every single. Every single coach has their own style, the, the, the way they like to do things is different. Uh, but I see it more as, a, as just a, as a challenge for myself. And, and I, I really, you know, enjoy challenging myself. And, and, and I think that every experience that I've had has been positive. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, learning from, from every single change and, and, you know, tough situation that we face. Well, speaking of learning, is there anybody that you've worked with that's... that's um provided you you know some experience or some wisdom that uh you're going to take going forward into the next part of your career yes for sure i think uh i've been very lucky to work with some of the the best professionals in in the business you know starting with when i joined the club in 2013 as a volunteer and then transitioning to an internship with operations i think alex wolf uh the senior vp of operations game the operations is was a huge help for me. I think he's been not only for me, but for many people at Orlando City. Uh, he was the one that kind of ingrained that that worth ethic and that mentality, uh, that attitude that you need to be able to to succeed in this business. Um, also, I think Lenny Santiago, former VP of Communications, gave me an opportunity to join his department and be a part of of you know the uh, the club joining MLS. Um, Jamie Chin, many of you guys know him as well. Mm-hmm. I need to, to thank him a lot because he was my, I was interning for him. Um, and then he was a great, you know, great guy to work with. He was the communications coordinator, did so much, and, and he did what I do now. Uh, and I also thank him for leaving because then I found a job. Uh, he went to Portland, and, and then I, I, I work with so many great people. I mean, right now, VP of Communications is Diogo Kosho. He is someone that worked with Kaká throughout his entire career, worked with the national team, um, and, and, you know, has been in the biggest stages in, in the soccer world. Went to the World Cup and, and just knows so much. And for me, it's been, it's been great to, to work with him as well. I mean, Alex Leitao also has great experience in the, in the business and, and it's been really, really helpful. It's been great with me also in this transition part of me leaving the club. It's been awesome. Um, you know, there's people in the league, Gabe Gabor, you know, so many great people that are in this league, so many people that are in this organization and then uh, that have helped, you know, my, my growth. And I like to be very humble. I like to to just, you know, appreciate what people do for me, uh, what the opportunities that, that they've given me, the trust that they've given me. 
you know, and 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 I just like to to thank every single one of them because uh, they've been a, a huge part of my career so far. One of the interesting things about working with athletes, you know, growing up, uh, you, you watch some of these guys, you know, I'm sure you saw Kaká many times before you worked with him, um, is is to get over that initial kind of uh, being starstruck by some of these uh, some of these guys and and learning to, you know, just sort of interact with them as people. How was that for you, you know, working with a guy like Kaká, a guy like uh, Sasha Kleshton, a guy like Antonio Nocerino, guys that you, you, you may have seen on TV before? Yeah, it was definitely special. I mean, uh, I'm Venezuelan. I grew up watching my national team lose against Kaká. It's very frustrating. Um, and obviously, I even had, you know, I bought the AC Milan jersey a few years ago because of Kaká. And then all of a sudden, I'm interning at Orlando City, and they told me, hey, you need to go to the airport and, and escort this guy that we're signing. I don't know if you know who he is, but it's Kaká. And I'm just, what? <laughs> What's going on? You know, and then after that, a year after that, I'm working with him every day. And you kind of, you know, as a fan, you see those guys and you're starstruck. But, but then once you get to know with, with him every single day, it's incredible. You know, you're showing up to, to the training facility and seeing how humble he is. And one of the, he was one of those guys, him and, and Noche, uh, they were very similar in, in terms of how, how friendly they were to the staff. I mean, you would show up there at the facility, you'll be there at 9 a.m. And you would see those guys coming and, and, you know, having some banter with you, uh, you know, making fun of you and, and your national team and the club that you support and having a coffee with you. And you, you're sitting there. It's like you have, you know, in an Italian international here, you have Kaká, you, you know, you have Sasha question, you have some of these stars. And they're just you know, normal people. You know, they're normal human beings. And mm -hmm. it's really, really awesome to see how those guys really are. You know, many people just see them on the field and that's it. And, and that just made me appreciate uh, these athletes a lot more uh, than what I just I'm used to seeing on TV. You know. Well, I'm curious. Uh, you you obviously were around for several years. A lot of big moments. What was the uh, what was a, a defining moment or a uh, I can't believe that I'm I'm here at this moment moment for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean to be honest, uh, I've been following Chelsea for years. Um, when I was in Venezuela, I followed Chelsea and, and, uh, you know, when Drogba signed for Montreal, I'm like, oh, is there's a chance that this guy, I get to see this guy in, in person. And I'm a huge Drogba fan. I have a bunch of posters and jerseys and everything. I just like the way he played. And, and then after the game that we beat Montreal in our winning streak in 2015, um, I I actually ended up going to the away locker room to get uh, sound bites, and just the Montreal PR guy just pulls Rockba and it's like, hey, yeah, here, ask him questions, and I'm just standing there, it's like, what what's going on right now? <laughs> um, and I mean, I as soon as I asked a few questions, I'm, I'm I called my dad. It's like you have no idea what just happened. Well, um, that's just one of you know one of the different things. Honestly, for me, it's like working in soccer. You know, I just grew up watching it and following it and then being in a position where I just get paid to work in it and watch soccer and watch training and watch games and travel with the team. It's, it's something that I never thought I would do. And, and I'm really, really blessed and really, uh, really lucky to, to be a part of it. You know, we had a saying in the hockey world, uh, what goes on on the road stays on the road. Is that something that you have in soccer as well? Um. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I try to. Uh, I try to not get in trouble. Um, so I, I haven't need. You know, I still haven't haven't used that that uh, that saying yet. But uh, I mean, for sure, when you go on the road, it's fun. You know, it's fun yeah. being with the guys and and see the way they interact with each other. And it's it's interesting because when you're on the road, you're that little family that you're sticking out for each other and you arrive at the stadium and everybody's booing you and that it gives you even more more excitement and, and and you're just there like, hey, screw you, we're about to beat you. And uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. That's one of my favorite parts of, you know, being one of my favorite parts of the job for sure, going to, to, the, to other stadiums. Sorry about that, folks. We had a little bit of technical issue. You were saying, you know, you, you, you enjoyed being on the road and then that was a fun fun for you although it, it you know has its challenges and stuff um i just want to know kind of if you have a really great before we let you go a really great story uh of being on the road with you know adrian heath whether it be jason christ g- give us your best road story that you can cleanly tell and that no one will get mad at you about yeah um i think uh this this preseason it was uh it was really, really funny because you know the, the the whole team was focused on on creating this chemistry. This all these new players coming in, and and it was uh, you know a lot of it was focused on that you know um, team getting to know each other. And, and in one of the meetings, um, you know, one of the our mental coach Guillermo just randomly says to the staff, "It's like, hey guys, it's freezing outside, but we're in the beach." And we're after this, after this meeting is done, we're just going to run and sprint through the water. And I don't care if it's zero degrees, the water, you're going to go there and we're going to go as a team. <laughs> so the, the meeting ended and everybody just sprinted to, to the water and it was freezing. And I was with, you know, Miles Joseph and then, and actually CJ didn't end up, didn't end up coming because he chickened out. Uh, but Tim Mulqueen, uh, I was in the water, you know, the, the equipment manager, Pedro was there, Guillermo was there, and you just seeing the reaction, obviously Jason, the reaction from everybody just yelling and screaming in the water, and you would see people walk around like, what, what the hell is wrong with this guy? <laughs> um, it, was, it was hilarious. And, and those those are the type of things that you live on the road and, and kind of build that chemistry in, in this, you know, in this team, and, and uh, you guys have seen it, but this team gets along well, and it's it's uh, it's like a family inside the locker room, so it's it's really awesome to be a part of it. Well, Rafa, we are going to miss you. We definitely wish you the best of luck with your you know your program and your continued education in sports business. And we know you're going to come back to the club and do great things later um, in a in a much bigger role, bigger capacity, hopefully. And uh, you know we will we will keep in touch and we will watch your progress from afar but uh, we really appreciate all you've done for the club because you you really started from you know from a very sort of an intern uh, not not really well compensated position and and worked your way up uh, within the yeah. within the department so uh, it's you know having done that myself in sports i know it's not an easy task and you really have to love what you do or you will lose your mind because the, the hours are so long the work is uh, is just non-stop and um, you really gotta, you really gotta work at it to, so, so you really better like it if you're gonna do it. So thank you so much for, <laughs> for what you've done, and and thank you for what you've done for us here. We really do appreciate. No, it. I, I I just wanna, you know, thank you guys. It's been really awesome to work with you. Uh, you know, the with all the local media in Orlando. Um, I think you guys have been awesome to to this project. Uh, you know, the fans 
uh, have been have been incredible with this club, and and I'm really really thankful for every single one of you guys. Uh, and also, I just want to take the opportunity to just thank the organization. Honestly, uh, from from top to bottom, this is this quality, and and I'm really really grateful that they took a chance on a random Venezuelan kid that just graduated from college and wanted to to work hard and, and um, you know this this will forever remain with me and, and I'll follow and support this club uh, forever awesome thanks so much and uh, hey by the way have they hired your replacement yet they haven't yet I think they're in the process of, <laughs> of doing that so we'll see <laughs> alright and Dave's not eligible because he doesn't speak Spanish right um, yeah it's going to be tough Dave <laughs> un poquito un poquito <laughs> alright thanks so much for being with us on the podcast Rafa and again uh, thank you, and best of luck to you in the future. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We want to, once again, thank you to Rafa Cabrera. Very uh, very good guy. Very pleased that we got to work with someone like Rafa over the years, uh, not just here Absolutely. on the podcast, but also also at the stadium. Just uh, a good person. And um, his, his fear of frogs, did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, we came out. To, there was a frog uh, on the on the umbrella at training one day, and he was hiding from it. It was kind of comical, but it was, you know, we all have our things. We all have our things. Well, it's... Um, all right, let's uh, let's get to our mainland uh, Ask the Mainland podcast anything segment. Uh, of course, if you are a listener of our podcast or a reader of our uh, social media or our uh, website, you can uh, you can ask us anything. We'll answer it. You have two ways to do it. You can uh, email us, and you can uh, do that at themainland at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter. We are at the mainland. That's our account, and uh, you can use that AskTMLPC hashtag, or, you know, just wait till we – sometimes we tweet out and ask for questions, and you can just reply, but uh, the, yeah. the hashtag will probably be the better move. That's where I'll say I'd agree, but uh, regardless, just ask us something. Yeah, you can ask us anything. And people did just that. Uh, let's start with Lee Gavlik. Lee G. All right, Lee. Friend of the program. What you got? Uh, or he was friend of the podcast until he uh, said something about Arsenal, I think. I think that's how. Yeah, he, I, I believe he disparaged <laughs> both of our teams at once. Uh, Lee says, do you think that Adam Grinwis has been sent out on loan simply to do him a favor and get him some playing time somewhere else? Or is it actually to see if he's got what it takes to be the OCSC keeper of the future? And if not, to then start from scratch and seek someone in the new in the draft this offseason. Maybe they should see if Miguel Gallardo can still go. Kidding about the last part, kind of. Uh, Lee, thanks for the email. We, um, I think that they have probably would have liked to have gotten Adam some more games this year, but of course, uh, it's it's difficult. You know, everybody's got to go into their you know their season with their keeper, their backup keeper, all of that. And really, it was going to come down to. Um, when there was an opportunity to get him some games. And I, I know that a lot of people don't uh, know this, but Orlando City's backups often have played on uh, Monday in a, in a little, you know, a scrimmage usually. Um, they've often, the reserves, the, the guys that didn't play in the game and the, the guys that didn't even make the 18 will usually uh, have some kind of an, a scrimmage, like an organized uh, game. So he's been able to keep sort of some sharpness. Of course, Adam was brought in to battle for the backup position behind Joe Bendick with Earl Edwards Jr. And Earl seems to have clearly won that 
battle and in fact uh, now has an ongoing battle with Joe for the, the number one spot for right now. But uh, I think the team would have liked to have gotten Adam more games, but of course uh, there's nowhere to put him. And finally, you know, a team had enough, uh, you know, injuries and problems at goalkeeper that they uh, had a spot for him. And I think that's, there's really nothing more to it than that. I don't, I don't know that, um, they needed to send him out to see if he was, uh, you know, the keeper of the future. I think that they've got a pretty good look at him in camp and, uh, and have had him all season. I think they know what his capabilities are. Uh, I know they like Adam, but, um, you know, if Adam hasn't been able to beat your backup and, you know, goalkeeping has been an issue for the, the team this year, it probably doesn't speak uh, highly of his chances to become the number one keeper here. What do you think, Dave? No, he's not going to become number one, at least not, you know, this season, maybe even next season. So, um, you know, do I think it's just them just being nice to go let him get some uh, reps and, and matches someplace else? No, I mean, they're it's an organization. It's a it's a profession. It's an opportunity for them to have a guy get some um, just like, you know, when we had OCB, you know, before he would have been down there at OCB playing. Right. Uh, we didn't have that. So instead, this is what they're doing. So, you know, um, obviously Earl had, had advanced enough and, and Joe had slid back enough for that to become a thing. Um, but no, I, I simply think it's uh, without an OCB. Um, you know, this is an opportunity to get a uh, the you know third goalkeeper some some minutes. Mm-hmm. It's really simple. All right. Thanks, Lee, for the question. Our next question in the email and our final question from email. David uh, would like to know. Uh, he says, hello, Michael and Dave. What is your favorite album to listen to? Do you base it off the best song, least amount of skippable songs, or something else? Mine is the Who's Next by The Who. Uh, Dave, your favorite album to listen to, and what makes something your favorite album? Um, okay, favorite album is going to have to be Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. Um, and just because, basically, if you just put it as anybody who's listening to knows when you get to the end it just starts all over again so you just keep going and you keep going so no um every song on it is amazing and um i mean that's but once again we're we're trying to ask me who's my my favorite child out of many many children there i've you know you and i are both music fans so i mean there's tons and tons of stuff uh for those of you who don't know michael puts out there a bunch of uh really good year by year Spotify lists that are, that are really nice to listen to. Um, however, you did not answer why who's next was what, what, what it was that made that yours. No, no, that's from him. David, uh, Val, uh David, oh, yeah, oh, yeah David oh, okay. Victor, our, our, uh, our emailer said who's next, is it, who's which next? is, is good. Well, that, yeah. It's a good album. That it, no, it's a great album. I mean, actually, the Who was the second concert I ever saw. So um, now I'm a little disappointed he didn't tell us why. But anyway, so yeah, I'm mine's Pink Floyd, uh, Dark Side of the Moon. What do you got? Well, yeah, it's it's very difficult for me to list a favorite album because you know there's just a lot of different flavors and the the, the answer is different depending on what day, what mood I'm in. Uh, yep. You know that changes constantly. What I will say is this: is that what I think is a, you know, a, what makes it something a great album to listen to to me, I think, is the second thing he said. Not not the best song, because I think sometimes you can have a, a, an album with a great song and the rest of it's just garbage. Um, there's a whole reason why there is such a thing as one hit wonders. Yeah, and then there's, you know, I think it's the second thing is the fewest amount of skippable songs. I think for me, a really great album has to have, you know, nothing that you want to skip. 
like you if you're listening to it on vinyl you just let it go and you don't worry about it you know kind of thing if you're listening to it on a cd you don't hit the skip button and and you know if you're streaming it you don't hit the skip button that kind of thing um and there's a lot of good good ones you mentioned uh, pink floyd's dark side of the moon is one wish you were here is another one so albums where there's not a bad song um I think the first Cars album probably qualifies for that. The mm-hmm. uh, Rush Moving Pictures is one for me. Yep. Um, there's there's so many really great. I will tell you that I tend to gravitate towards progressive rock. I love Pink Floyd. I love Rush. I love Genesis. Um, you know, these are these are the bands that I I love the most. There's a band out in um, California called Spock's Beard, which a lot of people haven't heard of. That they they put out a lot of great music. Porcupine Tree is a, is a an album or group that I like a lot. They put out a lot of good albums. So I can't give you one album. I, I can give you like a, a myriad of albums and tell you that, yes, I like them. Be, <laughs> they are the albums that I come back to time after time because they don't have songs that I want to skip. They Every song is good. I listened to one today. I'm getting ready to go see The Fix on Thursday. And I was re- listening to Reach the Beach by The Fix today. And that's one of my favorite 80s albums. And every song on it is pretty darn good. So uh, that I could talk about this for hours. So I probably should just stop myself now. Uh, I was going to say, we could do a whole separate podcast on the music that you and I like, because Michael and I are of an age where our music tastes are pretty similar. And so, yeah, it would be a whole nother. We would be here easily for an hour. I mean, you know, I could sit here and give you, you know, Abbey Road. I could sit here and give you Led Zeppelin four, you know, different albums that I, you know, just not a single song on or something that I want to go. Ah, eh, can you hit the skip button? You know, whatever. They, they. The Yes album, um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's tons. Yeah. So, um, outstanding email from you, David, uh, Victor, and uh, appreciate it. Uh, I can't pronounce this name on Twitter, but uh, it starts with an N. It has a J in it, some F's, a Z. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a great. It's like, a, it's like somebody just hit the keyboard and just, or let let their cat walk across the keyboard or something. But uh, this is a Twitter question. Is it more beneficial for Orlando City to handle the academy themselves than to use an academy like Montverde? Um, I will say that I don't know if it's more beneficial because I don't – we really ha- kind of have uh, yet to see how this whole thing is going to work with Montverde. But uh, I would say in most cases, yes, it's better to have the academy players, um, you know – right there where you can keep an eye on them. Montverde's not really anywhere near the training facilities, not near the stadium. It's more work to keep everything sort of uh, under the microscope. So I think it's probably better to handle the academy themselves. And I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, if and when the, the um, you know, the training facility ever gets built in Lake Nona, that uh, they will go f- back to their original plan of having the academy there. Yeah, my answer is most of the best clubs throughout the world have their own academies and they are, are within the organization, not standalone. So uh, I think the answer is it's definitely um, it being a part of Orlando City. Now, it needs to be done the right way. You have to put the resources towards it. You've got to have the right people, etc. But of course, that goes for any level from the you know the men's and women's uh, senior teams all the way down. So it's uh, you know I, like you, I'm hopeful that that will that vision will come to fruition. Um, in the meantime, I'm supportive of 
you know, Montverde and what they're doing there. And hopefully that will pay dividends, but that's, that's all remains to be seen. Right. And that's also, let's not say that just because it's at Montverde doesn't mean that Orlando city's not handling the Academy themselves. They have employees, they have, you know, instructors and, and, uh, trainers and that kind of thing of course of course contributing to this so it's not just that they're saying okay we're sending you over there and they're going to groom you and develop you it's still you know there's still orlando city fingerprints and the coaching and all of that so um you know it, we'll see how this model works out and whether or not they stick with it once the uh once the training facility is built uh we remember alex Leitau said that it would be built this year, which I don't think it will be, um, but maybe he meant that it'll start being built this year. Uh, I'm not even sure if that will happen. We'll have to wait and see. Well, if nothing else, go grab a shovel, go over to the plot, put it in the ground, and you can start this whole thing. Right. The, the plan is there still. They're still planning to build it. I don't know when it will be complete, but that's still the plan as far as I know. Thank you, uh, N-D-I-J-K-H-O-F-F-Z on Twitter for that question. <laughs> I just figured I'd spell it because I can't pronounce that. And we want to give them proper credit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. wouldn't even begin to be able to pronounce that. All right. Spot wants to know, thoughts on Chris Mueller dropping back into the back five during the last match. Dave, what do you think of Chris Mueller dropping back and creating a five-man back line in the last uh, soccer game? Uh you know, I, yeah, he was told to do it. He does what he does uh, or he does what he's told. But, um, you know, I, I think Chris is best served, uh, in a wing position, not even a, you know, certainly not a striker position, but in a wing position where he can provide uh service in and then provide the occasional goal himself. So is it ideal for him? No, of course not. But at the same time, you know, he's got the, he's got the motor, that if he is back there to get forward. So, uh, you know, at the point where it happened, it's one of those, Hey, let's try anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't blame, um, James for, for giving it a shot because why not? Um, but, uh, and it, and you know, how much of that is just a, a lack of good defensive cohesion. Um, I'm not mad at it. Quite personally, I think that, you know, what what O'Connor tried to do there is he knows he, he you know, he had, uh, you know, a team missing some offensive firepower. So he thought, you know, I'll play all of my defensive midfielders in this game. <laughs> so he did. Uh, and he figured, well, we'll play a defensive first system and drop uh, extra extra bodies into a back line. And, and Chris Mueller was asked to contribute to that. And I think that mostly he did a good job with that. But I will say that. Uh, he perhaps could have done better on the winning goal, but uh, then again, a lot of things could have gone differently on that winning goal. Uh, and he is not a natural defender, so it's kind of hard to to really get on him about it. A rookie, and uh, late in the game, he's been running his lungs out and and uh, you know doesn't quite get back and in you know on a ball that's probably coming from so far away that it's hard to judge exactly where it's going to come down. So um, it was a tough ending, but I thought Mueller mostly you know, did, did pretty well. I thought that, honestly, I thought that the game plan overall wasn't a bad one. I mean, I think that DC got a very good, uh, attacking midfield and certainly Wayne Rooney is a world-class striker. So, um, it was always going to be a difficult situation. And uh, I think for the most part, there was, you know, 
a couple of fluke plays. Otherwise, Orlando City comes away with a win. So I, I don't fault the tactics. Uh, there was some some lapses that maybe shouldn't have happened, but and maybe some calls that shouldn't have been overturned uh, that kind of contributed to that. And maybe an offside on the winning goal. But other than that, <laughs> you know, again, not mad at it. I think not not to rehash all that. Not, but yeah. not mad at it. Not mad at it at all. So I, I think it's fine. Uh, I don't think it's something we'll see all the time. But I definitely think that you're going to see under James O'Connor, you're going to see some guys ask to do things that maybe we haven't seen them do before, because I think he would ideally like to bring out a three, four, three or, um, you know, some other similar type of, uh, of an offbeat, uh, look. And, uh, I think that's what he was running at Louisville city. And I think that's probably what he's comfortable doing. I think that he feels it'll be successful. And, you know, honestly, the team has looked so much better the last several games, but they're still just, you're still looking at a team without its two starting center backs. And, um, you know, and even probably the, you probably got center backs three and four in there, maybe three and five. It's hard mm-hmm. to say. So, um, you know, and then you throw it, throw in Billy Madison disease on top of yeah, it. Yeah. So, uh, but the teams, I think looking a little better, but again, we're just not, there's, if it weren't for bad luck, they'd have no luck at all. So, but thanks spot for the question. Uh, another question comes to us from Jim D on Twitter. Why should someone renew their season tickets? I am, but I really can't think of a reason why. Well, I'll tell you why, Jim, because you support Orlando City Soccer Club. And even, uh, you know, it, here's what I think about fandom. This is just a my own personal take, you know, generic uh, take it or leave it. You know, you don't have to subscribe to it. This is just my thought process. If you love a team, you love them unconditionally. You love them through good times and you love them through bad times. And the bad times actually make the good times that much sweeter. So uh, I take it from me. I'm a long-suffering Cleveland Indians fan. Uh, I have seen a lot of bad baseball in the last 40 years plus. And every now and then they put together a season where they come with – they don't – they don't win at all because that they're the Cleveland Indians, but they come very, very close. And those are the special years. This, the years where, you know, uh, like even a couple of years ago when they lost to the Cubs in the World Series in, in seven games, that was a special season. I mean, just an unbelievable uh, series of feelings uh, throughout the entire summer of just uh, great plays, uh, just clutch hits, uh, fantastic pitching performances. And they are that much better because of all of the heartbreak that you've gone through so why should you renew your season tickets because you love this team and you want to be there for them in tough times in good times just like your marriage you know you know for better or for worse right yes and except we want the uh, supporters to be um much better than marriages that have a 50 percent uh, divorce rate so we want it much more closer to 100 michael's right it's it's good times and it's bad. You know, he mentioned that his life is essentially uh, the movie Major League, mm-hmm. um, whereas uh, I, as a uh, guy of a certain age, as a Cowboys fan, I grew up in the 70s when they were one of the greatest teams ever. Then they had a period of time when I was still growing up that they were very, very bad. And then in college, they were very, very good. And then they've been very, very bad for a long time, but it hasn't stopped me being from being a fan. Mm-hmm. Same with my beloved Baltimore Orioles. Growing up, 
one of the best teams uh, around. Uh, got to see him win the 83 World Series. Got to see Cal Ripken break the record. And then since then, it's not been great. But I still proudly wear my Orioles, Orioles cap. Uh, despite the fact that I'm down in Florida now, I will, I've never adopted a Florida baseball team because I grew up an Orioles fan. I will forever be an Orioles fan and nothing is going to change that. And the same goes for Orlando city. It does not matter. I am an Orlando city fan. So I unfortunately live in Tallahassee season tickets make no sense, uh, for a guy that has to work every Saturday. But if I had a different job, if I lived anywhere in central Florida, you can bet your butt I would have season tickets even after a season such as this. Yeah, so I, I think uh, it's good if you are a season ticket holder, hang on to them, because at some point, all of this crap we've been eating, it will it will, it will will go away. And it might not be this year, and it might not be next year, and it might not be in five years, but someday the team is going to get it together, make a great run, have a great season, and we're all going to enjoy that. And we can say, hey, I was there in the tough times. You all, That's all right. fair weather fans, you know, now that we're now that there's not a seat to be had, you know, you guys are the are the, the, the bandwagon fans. But I'm the, the true fan. And that's that's really all people want is to be uh, to be able to lord their fandom. over other, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right. Um, thanks, Jim, for the question. And I hope you renew your season tickets. Frank is our uh, is the last. I know you have a, a one that. Uh, yeah, second to last. The, so Frank second Frank's to last. the last yeah. one I have. Uh, would you make this deal, Dave? If Orlando City beats Atlanta, would you stand on your desks Monday at your places of employment, remove your shirts exposing an Orlando City jersey, and shout, "I'm the king of the world"? I would do this. I'm a social worker. Thank you, Frank. That is an outstanding email. My favorite email that we've gotten in quite a while. Uh, Dave, I'm I'm on board for this. I'm absolutely on board for this, uh, and I work in a car dealership, as, as the listeners may know. And not only not only will I do it, I will have one of my coworkers film it, and I will put it out on Twitter if we beat Atlanta. Yeah, I, I could do that as well. In fact, um, I know that it would probably not surprise anybody at my place of employment uh, because um, you know I even have an Orlando City flag in my in my cubicle. Uh, the only caveat I will put on this is I can't do it on Monday because I work from home on Monday. So I would have to do it on Tuesday. Well, that's just good news because then if Orlando City does beat Atlanta, then they've got day one with me and day two with you. Yeah, and we'll we'll go ahead and embed those in next week's podcast um, post. Absolutely. Yeah. So thanks, Frank, for the question. Uh, Dave, you got a question before we are done with our Ask the Mainland podcast mailbag. I do. We've got one from uh, David Valentine on the Twitters. Uh, should Flavio sell? Uh, excuse me, three-parter. So first part, should Flavio sell? Second, are the soft rumors of affiliation to a D2 true? Third, guidelines for how OCB and D3 will be used. Okay, so the first part of that is should Flavio sell the team? Correct. All right, I will say that he should if he's not all in. If, I think an owner has to be all in. And for me, that's part of that is when something happens like that DC game, when something happens like that Columbus game, you have to be in Gene, you have to be in Don Garber's office the next day or you have to at least be on the phone with him the next day and just raise in hell 
I mean, you have to defend your team. You have to be there. It can't be anyone else. You ha you're the money man. You're the guy that that you know put the team on the map and got the team into the league. And mm -hmm. are the uh, you you're the one with the power. You have to wield it. And I think that if he's still all in, then uh, he should not sell the team. Uh, I think that this team could probably use a little more investment. So I think he could maybe sell parts of the team and and bring in additional investment into the team. Uh, but if he's if you're not all in, then I think it's time to sell. And um, you know it, it's it's certainly um, you know it's a good question. I don't know if he's all in or not. I haven't spoken to Flavio in a while. In fact, he's he's such a busy guy. It's hard to even get an interview with him right now. So um, it's uh, it, it's. It's something that certainly bears watching. You know, can can he, you know, obviously everybody remembers how hands-on Phil was. And uh, that's not Flavio's style with the with regards to the team. Uh, but he has a different role with the team because Phil was also, you know, serving as president. So uh, it's, a, it's, you know, just by being the president, he would be a more um, public person and a, and a more uh, outspoken person. So... I think if Flavio's all in, he should not sell the team, but certainly uh, if he's not, he definitely should. Let me break in here uh, so we can do these part by part rather than having to go back. Um, I, I agree. Um, if Flavio, for whatever reason, does not have the money or time to spend, then sell to somebody who does, or like you said, open it up, bring in some more investors, whatever it looks like, you know, um, Somebody needs to be making somebody of importance needs to be making that call to uh, to Garber because uh, it's ridiculous. Um, stuff like that shouldn't happen. So, um, do I think he should sell? No, I don't. I, I think he put a lot of time, money, and effort into you know building or bringing the club into MLS. And um, uh, my hope is is that he's still uh, personally invested in it, um, and that's my belief. Um, but. You know, just like, um, you know, if you if you consider supporters um, as uh, um, stockholders in a, in a in a company, albeit, you know, all, all, you know, we're very, very small stockholders. Um, he as the uh, the head man is still accountable to us and should be held to account and needs to go out. And, and like you said, he needs to, you know, maybe be a little bit more visible and or facilitate somebody else doing that. So, um, you know, there you go. Yeah, and it's it's kind of a difficult um, – it's a complex question too for a couple of reasons because um, it, it also depends why he's doing it. it, it is this you know, an investment for him? He wants to build up the value and then sell it at a higher price and make money off it? Is he is he doing it because he wants to own a sports team? You know, there's, there's, there's the whole question of what are you in this for? And I don't actually have a concrete answer for what are you in this for. I get the sense that he 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 loves the club and wants to wants to be a soccer club owner, and that's why he's in it. I don't think he's in this just to try to you know flip it you know after a few years of of um, you know the the value of MLS teams has been going up and going up. I don't think he's in this to flip it. So um, if he's truly a, a, a person who's passionate about the team and passionate about the game, then by all means, he should hang on to it and he should, you know, he should fight for his, uh, his baby and his investment. So what was that second part? Second part uh, are the soft rumors of affiliation to a D2 true. Well, if, if 
by just the definition of it being a rumor, no. Rumors are not true. It's not, not – nothing's <laughs> true until it's been announced. So, uh, and, right. and even something like um, – you know, this could be agreed to in principle and still fall apart. So um, I, I, I would say nothing is uh, nothing is set in stone in terms of anything to do with D2. And uh, I believe our third third question was about D3. Yes, uh, I, I agree with you on that. Um, you know, we know better than almost anybody that until uh, till something's official, it's not official. But uh, part three guidelines for how OCB in D3 will be used. Guidelines. I don't know that there are any guidelines other than they're going to compete. Uh, they're going to compete at the D3 level, which is where the U- old USL used to be uh, under uh, NASL. So NASL was second. It was Division Two, and USL when it was USL Pro, and even after they dropped Pro, actually, uh, it was it was Division Two or Division Three, and then it went up to Division Two. So it's going to work like that. You're basically going to have a place for your prospects to play. You're going to have a place where you can send someone to rehab from an injury or somebody that hasn't getting, isn't getting first team minutes can go and play. It's going to be basically just like OCB was used for the most part. There may be some, some differences like a guy like Pierre De Silva might be a guy you would want to play at a higher level, play at division two uh, level. Uh, so you might not stick him with OCB if that's division three. Um, but other than that, it's going to work pretty much the same. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a feeder team, just like, uh, you know, to make the equivalent equivalency in baseball. You know, you've got uh, majors, AAA, AA, et cetera. So um, the same type of thing. Um, and it, regardless, it'll be uh, I want it to happen because then we have a place for those guys and we have an investment in that level again. Absolutely. Uh, is that all of our questions? I think that's it. It's almost as long as our first segment, but I think that was all of it. Yeah, it's longer than our first segment, actually. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a full mailbag this week. So thank you, mailbaggers, for all the mailbaggage you have heaped on us uh, this week. Yes, because without a, without an Orlando City game, we had nothing. Yeah, well, we, had, you know, we could just get out of their way and just let them get on with their week. So uh, anyway, thank you for doing that. You can email us again, themainland at gmail.com, or ask us anything on Twitter by hitting us up with the hashtag AskTMLPC, and we are uh, at the mainland. Please add us and use the hashtag. That's the best way to get us because otherwise it could fall through the cracks. You know. Yes, at, 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 hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, um, so we can turn our attention toward uh, Actually, we have one more question. We have one more question. I think we have more. Do you have another question? Yeah, I found another question. Reckless Games. Did we did we uh, did we read no. Reckless Games? Reckless Games says longtime reader, new podcast listener. Welcome. Ask TMLPC question. Do y'all think that Dom should have a strike partner? It seems like all the teams know he's our man and cover him as such. I feel he's. Uh, I feel like a strong second striker would help him out. So more of a traditional four four two. Your. Uh, I can answer that. Your thoughts. Yes. 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 Um, I will say yes. that I don't necessarily, it depends on what, it really depends for me what shape James O'Connor is using. I think of course. we certainly need a more effective second striker than uh, Stefano Pino has been. Um, 
you know, whether that's him getting better or whether that's bringing someone else in, we definitely need more, uh, more strength at that position. Uh, but if we're playing a one man at the top, I think that, that, I mean, Dom's not hurting. He's got 11 goals and he's missed some time with injuries. So, um, he's, he's ahead of Kyle Aaron's pace last year. He's more like on maybe Kyle Aaron's second year pace right now. So, uh, I think he's been, been fine. Uh, certainly, you know, everybody, it's not a, it's not a secret. I mean, it's, but it's no secret what LA galaxy are going to do. Try to get the ball to Zlatan. It's no secret what uh, DC United's going to do you know, get the ball on Acosta's foot and Acosta's going to look for Rooney. It, it doesn't really matter that people know what you're going to do. It just matters whether or not you can execute. And Dwyer more, more often than not has, has been good at executing and they've been able to find him. Uh, his service has not always been great, especially through the middle part of this season, but um, he still managed to, to get his goals in and, and, you know, it's, it's not been a problem. Basically you just need a secondary scorer. If that's going to be, in uh, you know in a 4-2-3-1, you need the attacking midfielders to score more. If it's going to be in a two-man top, you can need somebody that can score there. And I don't know that Pino has shown us that he can be that man. So it's a complicated question, uh, but I don't think that the 4-4-2 right now is being used by a whole lot of teams. And um, I, I don't really expect James O'Connor to use it. No, he won't use it. But to answer whether we need another guy that can score, yes. Yes, we do. Yeah. So thanks, uh, Frank Altamari, for that uh, that question. So appreciate all of that. That was not Frank. What's that? It wasn't Frank. Oh no, no, no. I'm sorry. Frank is uh, Frank is the one that asked us about the or the King of the World when he was the King. Of the World. Yeah. What, what did I do? I must have hit something because my my screen is different. I must have hit the. Oh well. God, he had such a he had such a cool name yeah. too. Well, I don't know. It's. See, what it is, is I'm punch drunk from all these questions. That question came to us from, oh, Reckless Games. That's what it was. Reckless. Told you you had a cool game, cool name. Yeah. Reckless Games. That's his name. Okay. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to uh, totally screw up, but I totally screwed up because that's what we do sometimes. That's this. We're not professionals. Nobody's paying me to do this. <laughs> no, we are not anything close to professional. Yeah. So, you know. Take what you can get, man. We're here for you. We're just we're just like you. We're just dumb enough to waste our time doing this so you can listen to it, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, so thank you for everyone who contributed to the Mainland Podcast uh, Ask Us Anything segment. And, uh, you know, get, a, get your questions in for next week, and uh, we'll be happy to answer them on the air. Dave, let's turn our attention to Atlanta United. The uh, the Lions will host Atlanta in the third meeting between the teams this season. And um, the first game was very, very close. The second game was not very, very close. And uh, neither one went Orlando's way. What's your key matchup and your score prediction? Do you see Orlando finally getting a win in this series? Okay, so key matchup is going to be the defensive midfield, depending on who we have out there. Um Against it won't be Yoshi or Krishnagita. Yes, I know exactly. So it's whoever can step in there. How good can they do? Uh, what kind of job can they do stepping in for those guys to uh, try and slow down Atlanta's attack? I mean, you know, with guys like Barco and Almarone, and oh God, there's so many. Um, it's it stopping them there because we already know that we have a. Um, depleted black back line that's uh patchwork mm -hmm. so 
Um, it, it's really kind of all the defense, but I, I decided to focus on the the, the D mids. Um, so that's where the make or break will happen. Unfortunately, despite it being my birthday, I don't think the Lions are able to pull it out. Um, I'm going to go 3-1 loss on my birthday. Hmm. All right. Uh, key matchup for me will be whether it's Joe Bendick or Earl Edwards Jr. against the barrage of shots that uh, they will face. They have to come up big. They have to have the game of their life for Orlando City to have a chance to win this game because we've seen that the doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the, if the back line plays well, the midfield will turn it over and put them in a bad spot. Or <laughs> they'll fall asleep at the wrong moment and give Joseph Martinez or Miguel Almiron or Julian Gressel or Barco or any of these guys a chance to score. Yeah. The, the goalkeeper has got to come up big and make some key stops, uh, whether it's 1v1 chances or just standing on their head making great reaction saves. Uh, that's what's got to happen for this uh, for this to go Orlando's way. So that's my key matchup. Uh, my prediction, and I think once again you've taken it. Uh, I'm going 3-1 to Atlanta. I think if if maybe Orlando can get a second goal since it's a home game, but I definitely see three because I mean this team gives given up three or more three games in a row. So uh, yeah. it's hard to imagine that stopping uh, without Spectre and Sane coming back, and especially without Higita and Yoshi, who are both suspended for this game. So there's going to be some shots, folks, and there may be a lot of shots. Um, but so we'll look see. look for 4-1 rather <laughs> than 3-1. Or, you know, if that's a Orlando City scores. They didn't last time. Or 4 nothing, right? Or 3 nothing. It's, it's not, definitely not going to be 3-1. We're not expecting goodness, I guess is what we're saying. <laughs> Which I we joke, but you actually predicted the DC uh, score. So I mean, it's not like we're always wrong. Well, I'm always wrong. It's not like you're always wrong. Well, I'm really annoyed that I got the score line right because that's true. It sucked. It really sucked. <laughs> yeah, great, great time to be right, Michael. Yeah. Well, it's not like I have any control over it. I just uh, you know. Whatever. Yeah, lest, lest anybody think that we actually have any power over anything whatsoever, let us assure you, we do not. All right, so uh, there you have it. We're, uh, we're expecting uh, the Factory of Sadness to keep churning out more for us for next week. Uh, the Pride plays Chicago on Saturday. I don't know if you want to uh, make a prediction there. I don't know what's going to happen. I have no prediction to make <sighs> because I don't know what Pride team's going to show up. Yeah, I, you know, I, if... I would have thought that, um, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there, I, I, I've got nothing. You're right. It's, it, it, does the martyr, Marta that we know show up? Does Alex finally get, you know, on targets? Does Kennedy start playing well again? Uh, who knows? I don't know. Alex is overdue for a hat trick. That's I think. So overdue. I'm not going to predict one, but she's definitely overdue for one. No, no. We should probably predict right. one. Yeah, but then maybe she'll get two. All right. Well, anyway, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, both these games and uh, look ahead. We'll have, uh, you know, U.S. Women's National Team stuff to talk about. They'll be having a couple of friendlies coming up. Um, We'll also... uh, 
you know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the the men's uh, series of games coming up, and uh, we can maybe wax on a little bit about uh, U.S. men's national team coaching rumors uh, next week as well. It's uh, we'll, we'll play it by ear because Orlando City has uh, a game against Atlanta, and then they're off till September. So, uh, and it really depends on how we feel about that game. Yeah, that's true too. Anyway, before we get out of here, we got a couple of five-star ratings this week, Dave, to uh, to talk. What? About. Yeah, on iTunes. You, if you leave us a five-star rating and uh, and say nice things about us, we will read your rating or your review on the air. And uh, so here's what we've got for this past week. We got one uh, had one on Sunday, had another one on last Thursday. Uh, so we'll start with the most recent one from Luke Southmade. Says great. Five star. Enjoy the podcast, even when we lose an extra time, which is all the time. <laughs> That's it's you can't really argue with that. That happens way uh, too often. That is that is a truthful statement. Yes, indeed. Uh, okay, so uh, from last Thursday, Sayaru uh, says best source for city talk. Five stars. Been a longtime reader and follower of the mainland, but just recently started listening to their awesome podcast. Great, insightful, knowledgeable discussions about all things Orlando City and Orlando Pride. Entertaining, funny, and informative, just the way a good podcast should be. No matter how bad we look on the pitch, it's comforting to hear the guys share in our misery and try to remain a <laughs> tiny bit optimistic. Thanks for the quality content and go city. That's see, that's to me, that's the hardest thing about this oh. podcast is every week we have to somehow Get on yeah. the air and and record us talking about a game we don't we don't even want to we think about no. we want to forget it we want to drink ourselves into oblivion instead yep. of, of reliving this game but we do it for you guys we do this <laughs> for you we don't want to talk Just, about it that's why we do this so uh, we we re- typically record this on Tuesday nights that's so that we have time to recover from the drinking. <laughs> so that we can then speak coherently about this, because otherwise, if we tried to do it after the loss, immediately after the loss, uh, it would be a lot of mumbling. Yeah, and, and I actually, you know, one of the things I haven't been able to do is we wanted to do a a post-game show, uh, like an actual post-game show that people would call in and stuff. We have the capability of doing this, but I haven't really had the bandwidth to do it, because usually I'm... I've been writing after every game, so I don't really have time right. to do it. But I, an immediate reaction show would be great, except that I would be like, have you ever seen the comedian Lewis Black? Yes. Just <laughs> everything that comes out of his mouth is just anger. He's yelling and yeah. angry. And, and that's what it would be. That's what it would be me yelling and angry <laughs> and um, getting my heart rate right back up. And I don't know that that's healthy. So maybe it's good that I don't have the bandwidth to put that post game show together, but um, uh, it's still oh. something I really would like to do at some point. If we ever had a big enough writing staff to where I didn't have to do every game, <laughs> you know, uh, I, at the I stadium. Can't, I can't wait for that to happen. That will, I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll, and I think it'll be a lot of, a lot more fun. It'll be a lot funnier than this one is, even though you and I have a good time on this one. Having the actual interaction with uh, people calling in would be fantastic. Yeah, except again, I would, I would be, I would be Lewis Black. I would be. That's he's basically my life is like Lewis Black's comedy act, only not quite as funny. It's a lot sadder, but <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of how I go through life anymore. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you so much for the kind uh, iTunes reviews, and if you leave us an iTunes review with five stars and uh, 
say, uh, you know, leave us a review. We'll read the review on the air because why not? We, uh, we, we would love to have more uh, ratings and uh, that helps us get uh, noticed by more people on iTunes. So uh, right now we have 33 ratings and uh, almost all of them are five star, Dave. Well, how appreciative are we? I mean, that's fantastic. And that's why we read these things online so that, you know, you get a little something out of it. Yeah, we got a couple of haters to give him the one star. But I mean, come on, one star, really? Yeah. I mean, I can see us. I can see you not liking us. But come on, if you're giving us one star, you're just being a hater. You're not being you're being disingenuous because we're at least a two star. Well, what I've learned in, in my business, uh, at least on Google reviews, is uh, the one stars give legitimacy to all the five stars. Really? Well, we're legitimate AF right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, that will do it for episode 139 of the Mainland Podcast. Big thanks to Rafa Cabrera. Uh, man, we're going to miss that guy. Yes. I'm going to miss him. Oh. And uh, we're going to have... Uh, you know, we're going to have to break in the new guy or new gal, whoever it is, or whoever it is. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and get they've, and they've got big, big shoes to, to fill. Absolutely. And really best of luck to, to Rafa with his endeavors. Yes. I'm, I'm so, I'm so jealous. You know, he's going to a right? to Real Madrid. I mean, I mean, <laughs> come on, you're a soccer fan. How could you not love that? Um, anyway, uh, so best of luck to him. Thanks for being on the podcast. Probably way overdue. And, um, we will uh, we'll see you down the road, Rafa. Uh, we will see you, podcast listeners, uh, next week as we uh, break down Orlando City versus Atlanta United and the Pride versus Chicago. And again, like I said, we'll talk about the U.S. Women's National Team and anything else uh, in the soccer world that we cover. Uh, we will be here to talk about it next week. So on behalf of David Rowe, I am Michael Citro. You can find us on the Twitters at Mainland Dave and at Mainland Michael. I'm going to sign off now the way I usually do by saying go city and go pride.